this is Grant Winneravage, and I'm a sales agronomist for CHS Egg Services in Warren, Minnesota. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network, CHS Egg Services, providing solutions for your success. Good morning, farm news on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Don Wick with Randy Coonan in studio. We'll have updates from Whitney Pittman and Sierra Doctor. It's deja vu all over again, another morning with fog in large portions of the northern plains. There's also some light snow in portions of northeast North Dakota and northwest Minnesota this morning. Temps are relatively comfortable, though, with the ongoing cloud cover. The American Farm Bureau Federation has its new policy book in place. Delegates approved language seeking an increase in baseline funding in the new farm bill, additional flexibility for disaster relief programs, and more protection for specialty crops. The Farm Bureau delegates oppose the recent change to the Waters of the United States rule and support more transparency in the federal milk marketing orders. Minnesota Farm Bureau President Dan Glessing was also re-elected to the AFBF Board of Directors. The Environmental Protection Agency will continue taking testimony today over its proposed renewable fuel standard volumes. Minnesota Corn Growers Association President Richard Severson testified yesterday. Gosh, it's, it's something for a corn farmer from Clontarf, Minnesota to get online with people from all over the country, from all aspects of the industry, from the uh, biodiesel uh, sector, from the electric vehicle sector, uh, from the renewable hydrogen, hydrogen and natural gas folks, the oil refiners. Everyone has a chance to uh, speak their piece and um, it's just fascinating to me to uh, provide my testimony and then listen in on on all of the different viewpoints that, that circulate around energy policy in this country. South Dakota Governor Christy Noem gave her State of the State address yesterday afternoon. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Whitney Pittman has more. During her address, Governor Christy Noem highlighted a plan to ban foreign investment in agriculture land within the state of South Dakota. This plan will require governor approval for foreign investment and form an advisory committee. This legislation is going to create a board called the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States, South Dakota, or CFIUSSD. This new board will include ag experts, national and state security experts, and legal counsel. It will review any purchase, lease, or transfer of South Dakota agriculture land by a foreign person, company, or entity, and make its recommendation to the governor whether the purchase should be approved. Now, other states are already examining our legislation with plans to replicate it. I look forward to working with all of you and us getting it done to protect South Dakota and to protect the United States of America. Noam also addressed child care in her state, announcing the release of federal grants and a partnership with the South Dakota Farm Bureau to make working in the child care field more attractive. We're also going to be releasing nearly $40 million in federal grants for child care providers. We had several meetings with providers so that those grants would target exactly what they needed, from new technology to startup funds to quality initiatives. We also heard, though, about these child care providers and the challenges they face with workforce. We're going to help tackle this by making it more attractive to work in the child care field. Currently, child care providers struggle to give benefits to their employees. So, we will be partnering with the South Dakota Farm Bureau to fix that. Reporting for the Red River Farm Network, 
I'm Whitney Pittman. Minnesota House Agriculture Committee Chair Samantha Vang led the organizational meeting for the committee yesterday, saying she looks forward to this session. Farmers represent about less than 2% of the Minnesota population, and yet 100% of us eat or have benefit from the work of our farmers. Uh, so farmers are truly our backbone of Minnesota, and uh, I am very excited about uh, what this committee can do. Um, and I look forward to working with each and every one of you. Agriculture Commissioner Tom Peterson was asked about last year's drought relief package. Approximately 3,000 farmers applied for that assistance. People got on the average 42 percent, uh, so 2,700 I think was the top payment uh, that people got. So most people that talked to me, they, they appreciated what they got, you know, and they said it helped them. Like I, you know, try to say all along that it was going to, you know, uh, help pay a bill or two, you know, so maybe help buy a load of hay, uh, make a payment on something and kind of recognize like what had happened during that trial. South Dakota Senator John Thune kicked off the year with a Farm Bill Roundtable meeting in Sioux Falls. Issues discussed included crop insurance, country of origin labeling, carbon sequestration, and federal nutrition programs. Reporting agriculture's business, you're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. The Farm Service Agency has updated several conservation and disaster programs. Additional flexibility is being provided to socially disadvantaged, beginning and veteran farmers for the non-insured crop disaster assistance program. For the emergency conservation program, USDA is now making advance payments of up to 25% of the cost of the project available. Previously, that option was only available for fence repair or replacement. USDA has awarded $4.7 million in funding for the Wetland Mitigation Bank program. This program allows off-site wetland mitigation through the purchase of credits. Six projects were given grant money in this round, including nearly $1 million for South Dakota Farm Bureau to coordinate state efforts. North Dakota and Minnesota were awarded projects in the past. From railways to rivers, transportation methods in 2022 all seen challenges. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Sierra Doctor has more. Soy Transportation Coalition Executive Director Mike Steenhook says agriculture isn't able to absorb increased transportation costs without farmers feeling their margins tighten. And, you know, we have to remember that you know, agriculture is an industry that doesn't have this exorbitant profit margin. You know, farmers and agriculture makes its money by having a pretty modest profit margin, but that gets multiplied against millions and, and billions of bushels. And that's how the industry overall makes its money. So what that tells us is that we just don't have this infinite ability to absorb cost increases in transportation or frankly in other in other areas without it really impacting our bottom line. Obviously, it's a, it's a really important issue. You know, having a, a cost-effective transportation system is really critical for our success. Supply chain holdups have increased costs of moving products, but Steenhook says inflation is having a significant impact on transportation as well. It really eats into, you know, the profit that, you know, agriculture, you know, really depends upon. You know, one of the other areas where you see inflation really rear its head uh, when it comes to infrastructure is just the cost of building and improving our infrastructure assets. And that's something that we're going to continue to see throughout the course of 2023, this whole concept of infrastructure inflation. And, you know, we, we have increased resources that are being deployed 
particularly from the federal government, but also from the state governments as well, to, to improve things like roads and bridges and our ports. Reporting agriculture's business. I'm Sierra Doctor on the Red River Farm Network. The Biden administration has unveiled its plan to bring greenhouse gas emissions from the transportation industry to net zero by 2050. Plan recommends a significant investment in public transit by 2030. Calls for the, a complete flip away from gas and diesel powered vehicles within the next 20 years. This blueprint also promotes ways to make walking and biking safer and more convenient as a way to protect the environment. Kosha has been identified as one of the top resistant weeds in the region. NDSU Extension weed scientist Brian Jenks says herbicides used to fight kosha and palmer amaranth don't overlap. We're, we're probably talking about different herbicides for kosha uh, than, than palmer and water hemp. For kosha, uh, kosha emerges very early. Uh, it's usually emerging end of April, early May, or throughout May, but usually by mid-May is when we, we see probably peak emergence. But with Palmer and water hemp, those are generally emerging later, toward the end of May. And so uh, the herbicides we're using for those uh, can be different. Jenks says prees can have a huge impact on controlling weeds like kochia and broadleaves. So we're using the when we say pre-herbicides, we're abbreviating the word pre-emergence. So we're, we're talking about herbicides that have soil residual, that control the weeds by uh, being available for root uptake. So we apply the herbicides either, the soil applied herbicides either just before planting or after planting, and rely on, on the weeds to, to take up that herbicide through the roots. And that is very important because if we can take out the weeds early and give the crop the best opportunity to to grow and shade the, the soil, then we don't have to worry about as many weeds post-emergence. An activist investor called Bluebell uh, Capital Partners wants Bayer to split up its pharmaceutical and agriculture businesses. Bluebell has, was created three years ago and has a history of challenging company policies. A Bayer spokesman declined to comment on the report. This is the Red River Farm Network. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. Minnesota's dicamba restrictions will remain in place for 2023. The application of Ingenia, Tavium, and Extendamax cannot be made south of I-94 after June 12th and June 30th north of the interstate. There's also a temperature cutoff of 85 degrees. The Minnesota Department of Agriculture reports 32 complaints of non-target movement last year. That compares to more than 300 in 2021. USDA export numbers will be a focus for the market uh, later this week, according to AgWatch Market Advisors President Dewey Strickler. What I'm seeing here is that we've had for the past several weeks some concerns uh, regarding the uh, weather in uh, South America, particularly in uh, Argentina there. Uh, we're going to get some reports uh, here on Thursday, uh, the final uh, USDA uh, crop report, and that will address uh, somewhat uh, regarding what we have there. But I think you're looking at the trade uh, trying to position itself ahead of that uh, report here a little bit. Uh, when you look at the corn market and the bean market here over the past, uh, well, last week, uh, we've had a 
pretty nice little sell-off here, and I think you're just looking at some bottom pickers coming in right now for the moment. Strickler says after the January USDA report is out, markets will begin focusing on the 2023 planting season. When you see the January final report, it can be a volatile report. It can be a game-changer. I don't know that we'll see anything like that uh, happen. One thing I will be looking at will be our exports. Uh, We have plenty of room for the USDA to uh, whittle at the exports on corn, wheat, and even soybeans. So I would expect we're going to see some of that as well. Checking markets this morning, we have Minneapolis wheat down a quarter penny at 8.94 and a quarter for March. Chicago wheat, the March contract, even money, 7.31. Hard red winter wheat, March down a half cent. March corn were the other direction. We're three higher at 6.58. New crop, two and a quarter higher. March soybeans, 14.93 and a half, eight and a half higher. And uh, just checking the Dow right now, we're up by 186 points. On the farm calendar, the 45th annual Norman County Ag Day going on at the Ada Event Center. Registration starts at 8 o'clock, presentations at 8.30. They have a trade fair and more. Uh, that's uh, part of the small grains update meetings going on uh, in the region. Again, that uh, small grain update meeting in eight of this morning, and they'll have their session in Crookston, new location this year at the Crookston Inn in conjunction with the West Polk County Crop Improvement Association. Tomorrow, the small grain update meetings will be in Lancaster and Roseau, Friday in St. Hilaire. Minnesota Crop Improvement Association annual meeting coming up on uh, tomorrow's schedule. That will be held in Fergus Falls. And the North Dakota Grain Dealers Association, 110 years for their annual convention and trade show. It'll be held in Fargo. The dates are January 15th through the 17th, so starting this upcoming Sunday for that group. Have yourself a great day. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network.